When you do two seasons of an intro music, right? You, it, it's just there. You it becomes an earworm whether you want it or not. <laughs> yeah. yes. I needed a new song cut, right. caught in my head, so that's good. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> well, welcome. Uh, we are back. Fear and Trembling podcast. I'm Aaron. Next to me is Bill, Celebration Campus Pastor here at Harder Wike. And I'm JB with Fusion. And Darwin here, um, the executive pastor behind the scenes. Right on. We stand on your shoulders. <laughs> yeah, not really. <laughs> and you all did good. I guess I'm the campus pastor of Watershed, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's early. It, it, it's early. <laughs> hey, thanks for joining us today. Glad to yeah, be here. Glad yeah. to be around the table, guys. Uh, we're, yeah. we're doing something fun, different for us. Yeah, we're doing us. something different today. We're going to be doing a podcast on a podcast that was done on a book. There we go. And um and can you we, can you say that again? We're doing a podcast about a podcast about a book. Right on. So the the um the book that the original <laughs> podcast was done on um is Christopher Watkin, um Biblical Critical Theory. Um it's a massive 600 plus page tome of wisdom and insight and just pure prime rib throughout. Um sure. it's really good. It's, it it's, really is. It's really really good. Um, the podcast was from um, by John Dixon, who hosts the Undeceptions podcast. And if you haven't ever heard of that, I encourage you to check it out um, on deception.com online. And um, great, John um, carries on a wonderful conversation with um, Chris Watkin. Yes. And you'll notice that neither of them are from Alabama. No, they're from Australia. Right. Very and, different accent. Very hey, different accent. Hey, so I know, I know somebody from Australia. Yeah, <laughs> wow. yeah, my sister-in-law. You're related. Yeah. yeah, my nephew. So, so I so, feel special. Yeah, so as Enjoyable we, to listen As we to. dig through this, it, what was really struck me as um, trying to put this together was that um, podcasts are really a stream of consciousness. So yeah. we're kind of having a conversation about a stream of consciousness conversation. Yeah, where do you dip into that river? And, and where, do you, where do you dip into that river? So we're going to we're try to dip into it. Um, the podcast um, from Undeception is a great summary of the book, um, and that and that's why we chose it. Okay, so here we go. Here we go. Um, Chris Watkins' um, Biblical Critical Theory was published this past year. Great book, and and what he does in this book is he says there are a variety of critical theories that have existed throughout history, um, and these critical theories. Um, you might know them as like feminist theory. You might critical race theory. You might know lots of different theories. Um, but he says the role of a critical theory seeks to make visible the hidden structures of culture so as to critique society and then in the best forms of critical theory bring about improvements. Okay, So critical theory is just looking at – looking critically at what's going on around you, learning to ask really good questions – and then offering and suggesting a way forward. Okay, so there's nothing inherently evil about it. Let's just let's just begin with that premise. Um, and so what he does is he traces it back um, to the first critical theory um, that's generally acknowledged historically, which was from Saint Augustine of Hippo, of all things. And Saint Augustine of Hippo wrote a book entitled "The City of God," and in that um, book. What he's doing is he's defending Christianity against those who are saying that Rome fell because of Christianity. 
Right. We were no longer appeasing the gods of the culture. We're no longer appeasing the gods of Rome, and so Rome fell. And he's writing to defend um, Christianity. He writes from 416 to 422 A.D. That's a long time ago. A long, long time ago. (laughs) And it's a long time to be writing and analyzing and thinking. Yeah. Yeah. This project. He kind of sets the model. Um, Chris Watkins borrows from Augustine's structure, which is to critique but to move throughout Scripture and to see how Scripture speaks to the situation. Yeah, to understand the culture, culture. that he's speaking to. So yeah. Augustine had to really dig into Roman culture, culture. and thought yeah, at so. that point. So um, pretty interesting what he does. He, um, If you want an idea of where to begin, um, 1 Corinthians 1 is where he draws from um, the wisdom um, of the Greeks— and he goes after this um, and the wisdom of the Jews, and he pits them against each other. And he basically says, in Christ, there is a mediating position that draws on the truths of both positions and yet avoids the errors of both positions. Now catch that. It draws on the truths that both positions find, and it avoids what he seems to see as the errors in a position, in those positions. And he has a fancy word for that. It's called diagonalization. It it makes sense when you see it on paper. I'm not sure it makes sense verbally. Um, so, so I'd like to – go b- ahead. Before we get too far, um, just because I'm, I'm thinking about folks who might be listening who – critical theory, like just yeah. in general a little bit. Like it was helpful for me, me when he, he said – uh, that it does three things, and you touched yeah. on one early, right. um, but viable, visible, and value, right. valuable, right? Viable. Right. Um, yeah, I've, I've always got to read it. Viable, visible, visible and valuable. valuable. Yeah. yeah, and you mentioned alliteration. Like, yeah. yeah, feminism, critical race theory, but like just in general. If we could really sum up critical theory, Bill. Bill is like raising his hand. He's itching. <laughs> like how. How can we help just the average person who's who's not been dipping their toes in? They they see it maybe yeah. from afar and then are like, I don't want to touch it. Or well, you you hear about okay. it, and if we hear about it in our culture today, I think there is a very discernible and distinct uh, school of of thought. Just like you have Keynesian economics or Freudian psychology or Big Ten football. These are things that have recognized history and content and stuff, and there is a school of thought called critical theory. You go back to a guy, Antonio Gramsci, Prison Diaries, 1926, Frankfurt School that comes to Columbia University uh, just before World War II, Derek Bell, law professor at Harvard in the 90s. So there's this recognizable school of thought with substance and content, and what Christopher Watkins is offering is something as a helpful option and alternative. Okay. Um, so I, it, it's like if critical theory, that discernible school of thought, was Big Ten football, Christopher Watkins is coming in with Premier League soccer. Okay. It's different and distinct. And our friend Luke Kerrig, other soccer fans, would say, oh, it's so much better. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to dis- be distinct a bit to some of the things that there are. And this is so much more helpful because it comes at it uh, with some of the same goals. How do you understand a culture and how do you offer change? But it does it from a whole different perspective that other folks might not even pick up. Okay, so I I think if I could boil it down really simple, 
to understand culture and and offer change. Like yeah. that that what you just yeah. said, right? Is yeah. is we we in critical theory at its best. Can I say it? Could I yeah. say it that way? Like the the whole idea is to say how do we understand it? How do we understand it. Um so there's a humility in that. Mm-hmm. There's a, a learner. Um but then how do we offer um especially as Christians, you know, but anybody's doing this in critical theory offer a change. Yeah. I'm going to say a critique. There's a better word I think before we were talking about the when we were talking about this podcast yeah. originally, I, I don't remember instead of critique, understand and Respond? Yeah. Respond. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and there is episode, this I think. distinct school of thought with its characteristics. And and yes, it is about changing society, but there's other things that come with it yeah. that you wouldn't find in Watkins' book. And okay. that somebody who was a part of that school of thought would say, what? What is he doing? So we're trying yeah. to do the hard work in critical theory um, just, uh, again, if we're redeeming the uh, what it is like Watkins trying to do. Right. Uh, again, I'm just trying so, to so understand I think, too. I, th- I, th- you know, I think the I, first the first step that he's he gets at throughout his book, which I think is why is so helpful, is it's really premised on understanding, okay. yep. and yep. not yes. assuming that you know or hmm. understand how someone who holds a different view than you understands and uses language. That's huge. With, yeah, which, which is really big. So if you um, um, you talk about a term like um, Power, mm-hmm. um, and right now the the CRC is working on this right use of power document. And what's really interesting about that document, from my perspective, is it doesn't define power. Okay. It assumes a definition ah, of power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas I would say that um, at least it's as this document is related to um, the CRCNA, um, power has to do with authority. It has to do with responsibility and accountability, and that you cannot have authentic power unless all three of those things are present. Gotcha. But too often what happens, and I think what Watkins is going after, is that we don't even begin there. So Bill uses a term. I use a term. We assume our meaning is the same. Right. Right. And often it's not. Well, Mm -hmm. we've even had it as we were preparing in – Critical theory, right? Yeah. What what do we what do, what we, do we mean, mean by, by it? You know, I, so. I love what Christopher Watkins is doing here. It's unbelievably helpful and insightful. He's gripped gripped me with with his understanding. But part of that understanding is I see how different this discernible school of thought is. Sure, sure. And there's a whole new opportunity and option that actually lets me pursue change in more helpful ways rather than partial or incomplete ways, at least how I would see it. And so I, I think to summarize him, I think what, what his critique is often is that different schools of thought take a part, they, they grab one piece, yes. and they try to make it the whole or the lens through which they see everything. Everything, sure. Yes. And what's really helpful in his book is, I think, is he says, okay, here's the lens they're choosing. Here's, what, here's why this lens is good. Here's what it brings into focus. Um, but if it's the only lens that you're using, here's what gets out of focus. Yeah, you're going to miss some things. You're going to miss some things. Yeah, is it? And and we're guilty of that on both ends of the oh, theological all spectrum, all or the political spectrum, all these ways. Yeah. And and what he's saying is that the gospel, idea, the gospel in Christ, um, provides a corrective in the sense that it, again it draws on the 
right things that you see through these lens, the correct view, but it also allows you to avoid some of the errors of being so myopic in how you look at things. Yeah, it's a better lens for viewing the world and the challenge we have. And he continues to just work through the scripture and bring that to bear in in powerful ways. Well, yeah, that's an interesting thing too. And and thanks for letting letting us take a little squirrel. No, that's fine, fine. <laughs> Squirrels, are Squirrels are good. Because, yeah, I bought a 650-page book. Not many <laughs> things inspire me to do that. But, uh, like, Come on. I, in, in some ways, right, and I, I hear this in Watkin, too, both in the podcast and as I'm starting to dive in, of we're also choosing one lens to look through Fair everything enough. with it's Fair enough. um you said bill a better he and he uses the word because i wrote it in my notes and then all of a sudden he uses the word more robust right and i'm like yeah now that is that's yeah. and that's where we we go man the gospel um the scriptures when we let the biblical critical theory you know that biblical lens it becomes a more robust right? yeah and and so what he's doing to do is, is in that lens is that as these theories um, develop and, and focus around one idea, the other thing that he does that's really fun is he traces it back, those, the roots of that back to Christianity. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. So in other words, what's happened is, is that these, these theories are essentially drawing from biblical Christianity, um, but then they're um, – they're forgetting where this has come from. Sure. I, I call that um, – I have a cynical term for that, <laughs> um, and I call that killing your mother. Oh. <laughs> that's, wow. you, that's beyond that's cynical. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like this has given you life. This has yeah. given you life, yeah. and now you're going to take the life, but you're going to sever it from the one who gave it to you. Sure. Fair so enough. One of, the, I, yeah. one of my favorite quotes in the book is this, and I'm just going to get us started here. I'm going to keep us from chasing squirrels. Yeah, right? thanks. Oh. <laughs> Good luck. He says, uh, he writes, um, in Genesis 1 and 2, um, he writes that human beings were created with dignity without deity and thus are not isolated nor idle. He goes on to note that the biblical teaching on sin, and I love this description, is a wonderful leveler. First of all, if you want equality, you need sin. Because everybody in the Bible sins, kings, queens, poor, rich, people, young, old, doesn't matter, philosophers, and everybody sins. And so he, he begins by saying, okay, if you want to talk about equality, let's begin with the one thing that we have, the two things that we actually have in common, that, that human beings were created with dignity, without deity, and that we're all sinners, so we're all on on the same level to begin with. Now, if you somehow take those lenses that he's given you, dignity without deity and sin, and you go to extremes, what happens? You have the mess we're in. You have the mess we're in. Well, I, and what I what I think not only is sin the equalizer, but the dignity piece, right? Yeah, that we're exactly. right, that we're right. image bearers. Exactly. So right. it's not all sin or all good. And I think that's what you're kind of getting there. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. And and it's, I don't know that he's always looking for what's between the two things. No. He's saying he's coming from a whole different starting spot right. that lets us incorporate the importance of dignity, but also the, incorporate the mediating impact of reality of sin. Mm-hmm. 
And so you get both in a way that you couldn't compromise between the two right. because you've got a different source. It's, it's a powerful way to look at the world and think of some of the issues we're facing in our day and time. So if your lens becomes merely dignity, you don't necessarily have to have deity, but just merely dignity, then then freedom becomes the ultimate good. And any limitations on that is negative. Hence Emile, Emile and Rousseau. On the other hand, if you go if you emphasize sin at the expense of dignity, then you get into Hobbes and government should have all power and all control because human beings aren't to be trusted. They'll, with, they'll always do bad. They'll always do bad. And so you end up with these two polar things. And again, if you, if you want to understand the clashes in our society and culture right now, they're right there. Yeah. It, when you have dignity and want to pursue that with absolute freedom, what happens when I'm free to pursue my dignity and it crosses your dignity? Right. Things break down in that in that system. Right. You you love the first step, but it's always the second or third step that gets you. And this is why that vantage point of bringing scriptural truth to some of these questions we're wrestling with um, actually gives us a better answer. Yeah. There's a greater hope in the lens that Scripture leads us and the conclusions it leads us to than the options the world is is offering. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, as I, I thought about just that whole sin being really the great equalizer, yeah, right? I yeah. mean, it, it's just, it, it that's profound, right? And it, because it keeps everybody from their own high horse, right? It keeps everybody right. from their own, well, if you just, here's my solution. Well, my solution is what will make equality happen. And it's like, no, right. actually, how we'll get to any bit of life-giving, <laughs> you know, uh, things is to, to recognize that not only, yeah, have we messed up, you've messed up and you've messed up and, and I've messed up here and in being able to go, we're, we're actually all standing on equal ground yeah. in this and having an honest conversation around it and going, okay, now are we for the dignity of others? Right. Yeah. Um, so you know, and without de- deifying, too. I mean, well, there, there's, there's. <laughs> so, so maybe I'm processing some of my own journey here. Yeah. You know, in in the sense that um, coming to to Christ late in high school, um, and in the early years, um, the verse that was so impressed upon me um, was, "All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God." Right. That's part of the Romans road. The Romans right? road. You know, and and and. You know, what's interesting about that is I was reading this, I was reflecting on that, that there wasn't a corresponding emphasis on dignity. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so even my understanding of what it what it meant to be in sin was distorted because there was not a corresponding emphasis on dignity. And I and I think I think that was what in this conversation what was striking me was that the biblical critical theory that can critique culture can also oh, be critique. used to critique the yep. church because because we right? fall into some of those oh, well, yeah. Yeah. you know the, the, being reformed the church, folks you know the church is deeply influenced by the culture and some of those right. same mistakes and we get off on our tangents and, right. and things and to have that independent perspective if you will that transcendent perspective that shines a light on 
well, I've got this part of the truth, but not that part, um, keeps drawing me back to Jesus, who is the truth. But I, but I think if that's I an important thing to point out and recognize, because this could easily be like, oh, well, we have it figured out because we have the Bible. Uh, we're critique. No, no, no. This the Bible continues to critique critique us, and we we use the Bible as a mirror uh, as well. Yeah. And I don't right. want to, you know, in this conversation, I don't want to lose sight of that either. No, I think, he, well, and I think he does yeah. a really good job of that of, of critiquing absolutely critiquing yeah. culture yeah. and critiquing the church. I think what's really interesting in this and in this discussion we're having now is that when he moves into eschatology, the eschatonomy and times. That's the end of the book. The end of the book, yes. <laughs> Um, and it feels like you are in the eschaton when you reach the end of the book <laughs> um, after laboring through it. Um, it's it's interesting that he he holds in a really healthy tension this kind of um, what we would talk about the kingdom of God or God's presence already that we experience it in part, um, but not yet fully. Sure. And and actually critiques the church in in one point by saying that sometimes the church gets that out of whack so that. Um, they want the not yet already, and instead of knowing that God in the end is going to bring um, what is into being what is right and what is good and what is beautiful that he's he's going to judge, um, the church acts as if it has to enact all of God's judgment right now. Um, and that we are the ones to do it. And we are the ones to do it. <laughs> and uh, so I thought that was just an interesting corollary to this discussion. Yeah, as I, I, I think about kind of your all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and JB, your your kind of critique also back to the church. Yeah. Sure. Um, you know, I growing up in a tradition where the Heidelberg Catechism really was I mean, I learned it literally three times in high school. <laughs> like I well, had to go Trinitarian. through it. Trinitarian. Yeah, exactly. Now now I'm holy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I love the catechism. I mean, it really there's so much wisdom in it. Um, and yet, where does it start, right? I belong body and soul and life and death um, to my faithful Savior. It tells the gospel um, and then goes, what do I need to know? Question answer two. Well, how great, first, how great my sin and misery are right? and how I'm set free from my sin and misery and then how I live in, in gratitude, gratitude yeah. right? Um, but learning that missed the image Right, the the dignity of cre- one of one of its gaps, I'll say, if I can s- critique a, uh, a you know a, yeah. uh, a a a confession of our church, you know, yeah. that I believe in. But yeah. you go, does it say everything on everything? No, it doesn't. Right, um, no no creed or confession can say everything about everything. Right, um, but our tradition. One of the critiques I know for me is that same thing. Right. All of sin and all you are is a sinner, 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 sinner. And then you're like, you, I, I remember being able to see in scripture, wait a second, I was created in God's image. Right. I'm loved by this guy. And God wants to redeem that image in me through Jesus. So now I can, I can live in the tensions of sinner, saint. Right. Now I can live it. You know, so. Yeah, it it just as you, as you guys talk about that a little bit, it's you go, yeah, it's it's not a again critical theory is in a healthy way is trying to understand, right, and then offers offers a maybe a corrective, offers a, a critique, maybe offers a different a right. different way, and it goes. I, I think especially for the church, what's hard in a, in the culture today. This is just my kind of musings on it, but 
is being able to say there, we do need some corrective, uh, right. because not everything we've done getting us to part of how culture got to where it is, we've had just as much play in. Right. Fair enough. So if we're not, if we don't have the ability to be cor- corrected, but to be corrected from the proper lens. Yeah, from the um, scripture. So, what, what I do think is intriguing there, that is, as, as a Christian community, um, we're not very good at, at, at critiquing ourselves. And when we do right. um, try to engage into critique, we, we tend to become um, defensive sometimes sure. rather than actually trying to listen and to understand the critique. Right. And, and just because we listen and try to understand the critique doesn't mean that we agree with it. Amen. Um, and right. I think that's that's really a, an important caveat in this um, culture because the, our culture says to us, if I just listen to someone critique long enough, I don't really understand their critique until I agree with them. Mm. Rather than saying, okay, I, I understand this is what your critique is and I can understand why you've arrived here. Here's what I think is right about what you're saying, but also here's where I think that you are not considering this, 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 and that. Um, we're not good at that constructive engagement either. Right. Yeah. So I think back, um, I'm going to uh, date myself. Bill will remember these days. Um, <laughs> what? You know, but um, I, I, JD, I we're out. <laughs> I, you know, I can remember that the debates, um, there really weren't debates around the moral majority in, in large sections of, of the evangelical church. Yeah, depending just on where assume you were. It. Sure. Um, I lived for a long time in um, a little town called Montreat, North Carolina, that was home to Billy Graham. Um, try to critique evangelistic methods in that era of the mass meeting and what's going on in that community, and you were immediately not listened to. You were marginalized. Yeah. Um, and so in the church itself, um, are we modeling these kind of good conversations? Again, the critique doesn't necessarily mean, though, that you're going to end up agreeing. And I think that's an important caveat to remember. A term yeah. that shaped me, I got from, of course, my gospel Yoda, Tim Keller, is we need to rise to the level of disagreement mm-hmm. that to be able to disagree requires a foundation of understanding to then yeah. engage and even check yourself. So it's it's about four steps into the relationship and engage, engagement to be able to disagree even rather than simply throw bumper stickers at each other. Mine's right. Yours is wrong. I, it, I, I, I think that's so important, yeah. and I'm struck by how little that happens today in public discourse because it's easier to set up kind of this straw man and just tear it down. And that gets clicks and all that. And, and so this critique that's working toward understanding and then responding just seems to be a, a lost art or, yeah, or yeah. a lost value. I think it's what biblical critical theory, the lens of the Scripture, yeah. calls us to because right. it gives us the sense that my enemy has dignity, if I could use the term en- enemy, right. but I also have sin. So we're together in those things. I think this is why the lens of the Scripture and what Christopher Watkins is, is doing here brings us to a better place because it calls us to this rising to the level of yeah. uh, disagreement. But, but here's the interesting thing. If I believe that human beings have dignity, 
that is rooted in a Judeo-Christian tradition. It's Absolutely. not something we created. Right, right. Because if, if, if we don't hold to that tradition and value that dignity, then we actually have no philosophical or scientific basis to see human beings as other people as having dignity. And if they don't have dignity, then I can just, my goal then is merely to dismiss them or actually to come out on top and just to, to use them. To use them and yeah. to serve my own means. Yeah. So whether whatever the posture of a culture is to the church, the culture is deeply indebted to Christianity for some of the very values it wants to espouse, but actually has no historical or philosophical basis for doing so. Yeah, that's certainly the case in the West, I'd, Yeah, the past 20 centuries of yeah. the West. And what I'm reminded of as we're talking about this is the fact that, go back even to the beginning, Darwin, when you talk Corinthian, Paul, Paul knew the culture. Paul yeah, knew exactly. and understood the people exactly. that he was talking to and then could bring the gospel, a more robust worldview, into this space. And and to me, it, it makes me want to say, hey, folks, we got to be better. Yeah. Like if if well, if you take on the way the way of Jesus, I and 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 maybe I, I'm getting a little bold here, but be better. Like be well, I, better at understanding the person who's sitting across the table from you and where they're coming from, why the, the definitions they're using. Like, think about the people Jesus sat with, right? He sat with them long enough to be identified with them, even yeah. though he didn't agree with, you know. Yeah. Like, Paul understood new, it, and, and it's not be better about everything in the world, but I, I see, show up in the people's lives that you're a part of. Understand where they're coming from, because it's only when you you do. I think can you actually bring the gospel to bear? Yeah. When, when Paul was in Athens, he knew their terms. He yeah. knew their poets. He yeah. knew their artists and could bring the gospel to that. Right. Show the difference. But he he, he understood what their hearts yeah. were yearning for. So I would say that scripture doesn't call us to be better. It calls us to be more faithful. Well, that's, area. I mean, again, so we'll talk about definitions of words, right? Definitions of words. <laughs> so when I'm saying better we're, is— Wait a minute. Yeah, we're doing critical theory. It's not yeah, here be we go. better, I got an A. It yeah. means let's be more faithful to Jesus. Let's Let, be more faithful let's, in, the, there we go. in this. Yeah. yeah let, let's care enough about the people we're in relationship with that are in our circles and right. care enough even about the stranger that we, you know, we want to dismiss. Care enough about the person on the other side of the the aisle, per se, because right. that's faithfulness. Right. So I think one of the things that I did wrestle with in the book and um, in, in this process um, is what is the role of the community in this process? In other words, mm. um, how do we move beyond this idea um, that the, the church, and I'll just use the church as an example here, is a voluntary association of individuals, but is a community that is being formed by and brought together by Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I would even go so far as to say that um, in the context of the church, that individuals are seen through the lens of the community. So how do we do this as a community? Well, um, yeah, we're as a community, isn't it about we hear together what God is doing, 
and I hear better because you and I are listening to the same Holy Spirit that shapes us mm-hmm. uh, to do things. I, I mean, I tend to hear, because I'm a sinner, um, I tend to hear a portion, and that's why I need others who, in their brokenness, hear a different portion, and somehow together we're better in living into all that the Scripture is calling us to than we would be otherwise. And in the podcast, he talks about that, that we're only capable of yeah. of understanding and taking in so many, I don't know, he called it like terabytes of information <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, I'm still back in the megabyte era, man. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched Battlestar Galactica, so when you, the newer version, not the older version, oh. the, you know, so terabytes of information. Am I a Cylon? No. So. Well, <laughs> and and the other thing Squirrel. That, that, again, uh, uh, <laughs> That this biblical lens reminds us of is that we're not alone in trying to figure this out. God himself, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will bring to our remembrance that there'll be times that we get it wrong, and God, by the Holy Spirit, will kind of tap on some shoulders, draw us closer, bring us back to that. And there's this constant uh, process of, well, we kind of get it, then we kind of get off base, then he's kind of at work. So in the community, and that's where the Holy Spirit works in us. So big ways like that. Well, I mean, I I just think, again, biblical critical theory would, would say we are a community. Yeah. Like so, so now it changes. This we are not a loose association of. I, I, right. How did you How did you put that? It was really good. Say it. Say it again. The kind of loose <laughs> association of individuals. Yeah, voluntary like, association. Volu- of, yeah. yeah, yeah. Of going. I'm a volunteer for Jesus. Right. Like <laughs> no, actually, the church is more robust than mm-hmm. that. And that yeah. robustness then calls us to something more. Calls us to something different. Calls us to. A, a level of faithfulness um, that that goes. You're not going to find it a country club. You're not going to find as a member, right? Simply a member of an organization. Yeah. So I'm gonna. Um, I have a couple more questions for y'all, but here's. I'd like to share one quote. There's a bunch of quotes I could could share, but I I, I think this is towards the end of the book. Um, and he did not mention it in the podcast, so this may be new information. Right on. Um, he says. Um, He's talking about practicality as he talks about um, Christians encountering the Bible and culture. And he writes, this means that when Christians encounter something in the Bible that we do not agree with or that makes us uncomfortable, it is a cause for rejoicing. If the Bible did systematically reflect our own late modern Western sensibilities and values back to us, as some today are determined that it should— then so much the worse for all the other cultures, past, present, and future. For we make the Bible friendly to one culture, we place a heavy burden on the backs of those from other cultures who seek to draw near to God, to the God of whom it speaks. And then he he labels this. Are you ready? Uh oh. This is hermeneutic colonialism of the worst sort. <laughs> it is also so much the worse for our own cultures as well where it would leave no exterior norm to which we could appeal in an attempt to curb its totalitarian pretension. A lot of words with a great, great point. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, his point is that, that, um, and what I really like about it is is that Scripture cannot be made to conform to our culture. 
that it right. continually critiques. And in its critiquing, it's actually creating an alternative community. To wherever we are, really. Right. It's drawing us to something different Draws us and to deeper. a different way of being in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and isn't that, in essence, what most any critical theory would do is it it doesn't mean that it creates a a deep community but no. it's it's whoever kind of if i can use you know kind of joins in on my my creed my conduct my you know like right. my it, it that whatever we we hold to our that worldview sort of right. it's it, there's a force in there there's a magnetism of that and Right, and he goes on to cite, and I can't remember who he cited, but he goes on to cite that in that situation, um, what happens is that you don't emphasize community, you emphasize us. We're the ones bound around this particular theory, and therefore we pit this theory against that theory. Right. right. That that there is no bridge between the two. Yeah, that that what we've got, the us, you've got to then maintain – Right. It's not growing. Not growing. It's not changing. It's not developing. You've got to maintain it. And it's always threatened by the them, the others. Sure, They're sure. going to water this down. Yeah. And that's that's why I think Watkins points to this other approach to life that's going right. to always lead to conflict rather than to development and enriching and flourishing. Yeah, it leads to conflict, yeah. but the resolution is in the gospel. I. It's the gospel that, that – it right. genders both the conflict and is, is yeah, the, it, the resolution. Yeah, it challenges us to change, and then it guides us in that change to something more flourishing. Yeah. I, that, yeah. So let me, um, let me just – let That's me, throw, let me yep. go chase squirrels here for a minute. Um, <laughs> as you've reflected on the podcast, what's one or two things that um, jumped out at you or that you took away from, from it? Mm. I, uh, I, I would say um, – you know, he 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 reframed something that that I've held on to as this third way, and I know Aaron and I talked about this. Where, you know, as one who's like an Enneagram Nine who wants everyone to get to, get along and have peace, the, the polarization <laughs> in our world drives me a little bonkers. Yeah, that's right. And so, like, he's like, this is not like just being a moderate, right? Right. right. This is trying to find what many say a third way, and that term always resonated with me. Mm-hmm. And then he says, but it's not a third way; it's a first way right and i was right, like yeah. oh, oh wow like this is before you know um and that 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 just language resonated by reframing something else that resonated this third way language um it's not just being a moderate trying to split the difference it's about finding a third right, way or a, right. a first way so okay yeah i felt like um what i really got out of this for me was this sense of the ongoing development of of my life and thinking and vision mm-hmm. that somehow there's there's an ongoing um thing and he helped me do this in a lot of fresh new ways yeah. it's great to be flourishing and growing i love just the conversation around freedom mm-hmm. and is there any ever any kind of freedom yeah. as the way the world wants that freedom right because there's always going to be constraints it's just he said which constraints are you going to choose and and I think that's a very, very powerful – there's no such thing as the idealistic freedom we, quote, unquote, yeah. we all tend to want um, because you're always going to have boundaries um, no matter what. There's always going to be constraints, and 
because what happens when my freedom rubs against yours? Your freedom, right? Um, and we see that all over the place, right? Right. right. Hey, thanks for joining us for this um, discussion of this podcast by um, John um, Dixon um, on biblical critical theory. Um, one of the things that John um, Dixon draws out from um, Chris Watkins, and they have a wonderful discussion about, um, is about the posture of individuals in these conversations, and, and that posture is one of humility. And um, and we could spend a lot of time on on that term in itself, and we will in a future podcast. Yeah, um, a future podcast. Yeah, tell um, me more. Future yeah, podcast, but yeah. wait. Yeah. So, um, but um, if if you want to check out more um about this podcast, you can go to fearandtrembling dot com, fearandtremblingpodcast.com. dot com. <laughs> and um, I'll tell you what. Um, if you um if you all give me a couple of weeks, um, uh, in the show notes for this thing, I will put together a reading guide, um, to biblical critical theory. And what I'm going to do is suggest um four sections of the book to read. Um, about 120 pages of the entitled 658. So if you want to jump into it um, and try to start navigating yes, um, please. this book, um, <laughs> I'll give you a little helpful guide to get you started um, because it's quite overwhelming. And for one who buys books um, often and who um, often looks at like, oh, 658 pages, this is going to be awesome. Um, I realize that in that way, I'm a little bit of an exception. And in his defense, I'll say 650 pages of good writing. Of really good writing. Yeah. So it's not like you've got a lot to uh, hard stuff to dig up. Is there just a lot to go through? And there's a lot of um, good resources to this yeah. book on yeah. thinkthroughthebible.com, which is his website. Awesome. So. So jumping on humility, humility, good uh, thing, huh? yeah. In that well, conversation, uh, <laughs> our next podcast we're gonna we're gonna go to a book by John Dixon. So right. most of the podcast was John Dixon interviewing Chris Watkin. So, um, but now we're gonna dive into a book that um, you know I actually came across at the Global Leadership Summit, was known as the Willow Creek Global Leadership Summit. That's how I first heard of John Dixon. Um, but uh, he wrote a little book, Humilitas, A Lost Key to Life, Love, and Leadership. Humilitas, A Lost Key to Life, Love, and Leadership. So comes at it from um, kind of the perspective of leadership. If you're interested, I think it's like a five by eight. What is that? What would you say? A six by four? It's a quicker one. <laughs> yeah. It, and you have like 180 pages of that. So it's a super quick read. It's accessible. He's a good um, writer. Yeah, yeah. He is. Another, yeah. another good one for us. Yeah. So if you want to dive into that, it is not 650 pages. Um, so. <laughs> It should have been. <laughs> uh, it should be, yeah. Um, but a, a, a great conversation. Again, thanks, Darwin, for, uh, yeah, really yeah. kind of bringing this podcast up to us. I think in the future we're exploring some new new avenues of conversation. but uh, oh, Different streams it, of consciousness. It, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this was the Undeceptions podcast right. by John Dixon um, called Critical Theory, yeah. right, with Chris Watkin. So. Um, again, uh, yeah, thanks guys for this conversation. I'm, I'm Aaron. I'm Bill. I'm JB. And I'm Darwin. And this is the Fear and Trembling Podcast. God bless. Boom. Oh.